Hello, my name is Vincent Wall, and I'd like to welcome you to this latest series of the Future of Business podcast brought to you by Mazars in Ireland. In this series, Mark Kennedy, managing partner Mazars in Ireland, and I, with the help of a number of special guests, will be assessing the growing importance of ESG, environmental, social and governance issues for businesses. We'll discuss how regulation and legislation at home and abroad and the rapidly evolving engagement of investors and other key stakeholders with the ESG-related policies and practices of firms and organisations will increasingly determine their operational success, their reputations and their ability to attract customers and to recruit and retain talent. I'm joined as always in this latest edition by Mark Kennedy, Managing Partner Mazars in Ireland. Mark, you're very welcome. We're going to discuss today uh, what's happening in Europe, which is ahead of us in the game, particularly in France, in terms of ESG developments and, and how businesses need to report. Hi, Vincent. Um, yeah, I think this morning we have a great topic. We, we're keen to talk about how a number of European countries, France amongst them, are probably ahead of us in terms of the business requirements that they have for reporting in relation to ESG issues. But we're also going to try and maybe look ahead a little bit and understand what's the European Commission plans. And as we've mentioned previously, we have, I suppose, the European deal, or the European Green Deal, and that's bringing a lot of aspects, including potentially significant reporting requirements for Irish companies in the coming years. So we're delighted to have Maud Gaudry with us this morning. Maud is a colleague of mine. She's the director of ESG services in Mazars Group, based in Paris. But as well as being with Mazars on and off over the years, she's also spent a long time working in the banking sector with Societe Generale in investment banking. So she's a very experienced business person and very experienced in this area. And so we're really pleased to have her along to maybe guide us through what's happening in Europe. Well, bonjour, Maud. Uh, Vincent here. Um, and thank you for joining us. Uh, France, your own native country, seems to be ahead of the game in terms of uh, its engagement with businesses there as to how they should uh, report on ESG in the broadest sense. Why is France so advanced in this area? Hello, uh, Vincent. Hello, Mark. Well, I think France is a bit more advanced than other countries for, uh, I would say, two reasons. One, because we are the country where the Paris Agreement took place. And I think it really made a huge difference because we really were, as a country, on board day one on those uh, very ambitious climate goals. So we've we've started the journey a few years ago. The, the other reason I would say, and it's an equally important one, is that when the European Union drafted and introduced the non-financial reporting directive back in uh, 2014, France, together with Spain and Italy, was one of those three countries who transposed the directive in domestic legislation the most forcefully. So where other countries opted for more lenient legislation in terms of how mandatory non-financial reporting was, uh, those two countries actually made it mandatory in a pretty deep extent. So it's, it's that combination of we were born with the Paris Agreement and we have stringent constraints in terms of reporting. And I think the legislation in France goes back to, to 2015. What does it require firms in France to do? How, how broad ranging is it? Uh, so it essentially targets large companies uh, with a certain turnover and uh, a certain number of uh, headcount. 
as well as all listed companies and uh, public interest companies. And the, the scope of the reporting requirements is actually pretty large. It requires companies to report not only on their operations, but more importantly, on the current and future sustainability risks to their business model. So that actually forced boards and executive committees to add new risks to their risk management systems and to consider further down in the future how those sustainability criteria, we, we refer uh, to them as the E, S, and, and, and G factors, how those external constraints will or are currently already uh, reshaping their their business and their operations so it's not just you know reporting what's happening today it's how it's going to reshape my business and how do i embrace it so that my business is sustainable in itself and contributes sustainably to the outer world and does the requirement incorporate the, the full supply chain? In other words, does it require a, a large business in France to be cognizant and to report how its various suppliers uh, comply with, with the requirements or the regulations uh, and also where the company's products go and the impact they have? So in theory, yes. And without going into technical details, it's what is currently referred to as scope one, two and three. Scope one being just the organization itself, scope three being up and down the entire value chain. So yes, in French companies have the obligation to at least request information and perform due diligence up and down their value chain to collect that information from their partners. Just uh, going back a little bit, Maud, you, you, you talked about how they've made it mandatory. Is that, is that enforced by way of fines and so on? Or are there sanctions for companies that don't comply and how is that judged? So the, the requirement is that you have to report and the report has to be certified by an external party. It's, it's usually the, uh, the statutory auditors, but it, it can be uh, somebody else. There is no fine if you don't provide the report unless someone, anyone asks for your report, and because you can't provide it, that person is entitled to go to court and to have you fined. It's not an automatic fine, but the risk still exists. It's, it's okay. installment of a uh, hundred of thousands of euros minimum, and it can be uh, up to a certain percentage of your turnover. So it's, it's real matter. Okay, and I guess, uh, I suppose publicity also counts a long way in these it's things. It's so, a yeah. terrible reputational risk to take. And to your view, Maud, is what's happened in France uh, very much now driving what's happening at a wider European level in terms of, of the directive that's coming down the line? I'm not sure I would picture France as a leader in, in, in the field, because I think even though in other countries the legislation might not be as uh, stringent as it is in France, the, the reality is that all of the global companies across Europe have been quite ahead of the curve in terms of uh, getting up to speed and, and, and trying to be uh, at the best possible level in terms of non-financial reporting. And I think what is at stake is that, as we can all witness, 
globally, there is a growing pressure on all types of businesses to play a better role and a more sustainable role in, in, in the wider civil society. And when you're a global company, it's actually not a nice-to-have behavior. It's, it's either you're on that boat or you're missing new markets. Where are we at now in terms of the European Directive? Uh, when, when can we expect to see some detail emerging? So the, the directive is currently under review and the European Commission will issue a revised proposal of the directive by the end of the first quarter 2021 and then starts the European legislative process, which takes up to six to nine months. It has to go through council and then parliament. And it's only when that is uh, done that the regulation is enforced. If, if it remains a directive, then it has to be transposed. The tendency is more on the side of making it a regulation, maybe, or having express delegated acts that would make the concrete execution and implementation uh, a lot quicker. So in other words, it means that the, the revised version of the directive will be effective, I think, at the, at the soonest first half of 2022 and, and, and possibly a bit later in, in, in that year. And from, I suppose, we, we've had the, the non-financial reporting directive for a number of years now in all European countries. And I, I'm just, I'm interested in your view, is this going to, from what you've seen, and I know you've been following the developments, is, is this going to change the landscape significantly for, for companies in countries like Ireland, where today I suspect it's a very small minority are, are doing reporting because we don't have the, the mandatory requirement in the same way? Well, the, the thing is, I think the intent of the European Commission is to make non-financial reporting mandatory for everyone in every country. There is also the will to impose that sustainability reports or wherever the information is reported be reviewed and assured by an external party. Just from that perspective, if you're a business, I don't think you want to be that business that opts to not be mainstream because sure. that, then you become an outsider. And one of the immediate consequences is that we have to remember that the revision of the directive is actually just one tiny bit of a much bigger scheme from uh, Europe, uh, which started with the sustainable finance strategy. And then came the Green Deal, and now comes the Green Recovery Plan. And we're talking about trillions of euros over the next decade to reach the European commitment to reduce... Uh, green gas emission and, and to be net zero carbon by 2050. If you don't come mainstream in non-financial reporting, you won't have access to those funds. And when you say that the, the current objective of the directive, and I, I appreciate it, it is under review mode, would be mandatory on, on all businesses, would that be unlike the situation in France? There wouldn't be a threshold? It wouldn't just be larger businesses, all businesses? So the, it's an excellent question, which is being currently debated, and, and the debate is pretty uh, heated, I must say. The intent is to broaden the scope of application of the directive to 
much, much more participation from companies. The, the challenge is it has a cost. It's today, it's actually a burden. And the European Commission doesn't want to overburden small and medium entities with heavy costs. At, at no cost, actually. It's, it's, it's something that is very high on the agenda of the European Commission not to penalize SMEs. So they have to find a way to define the scope of application in a way that it's mandatory for large companies who can um, bear the cost and then define a minimum set of uh, reporting uh, standards and tools that SMEs could voluntarily opt for. And just as you, as you reference cost there, has there been a significant cost for, for large businesses in France as a result of the, of the legislation there? It really depends. Those companies who started the sustainability journey way before non-financial reporting became mandatory, actually, probably they are a heavier cost, but, you know, uh, spread over many years. So at the end of the day, it's a lot of money, but it wasn't painful through the years. The other companies who started kind of late in the process had to catch up in, in terms of systems, people, uh, quality of data assurance, all of those cost considerations. And for those companies, I think the cost was heavy. And how has the whole situation worked in France over the past five years or so, Maud? Uh, you know, ha- has it changed corporate behaviour have French firms in general tried to do the minimum uh, or wait to be caught out by, by consumers or other stakeholders and being forced to do so? Or broadly, has compliance been very strong? I would say it's a patched picture. Those companies who had a strategic interest in sustainability five years ago really went into the weeds of it. And it is for them, it was clearly not a tick-the-box exercise because their business model was at stake. So reporting was not the the entry door to uh, sustainability. It was actually just, you know, sharing a broader strategic approach. For other companies, it's really, and it still is, uh, a tick-the-box exercise. And when you compare their reports... It's, it is pretty obvious. And it brings me to one of my favorite topics, which is auditing. Um, and you mentioned that there's an independent review required in France, or there's a, an external party who looks at it. But what about this question of standards in terms of reporting? I mean, I was very struck here when the original directive became law that the guidance around what people should report, how they measured things and so on, was quite limited. Is there an emerging body of standards and how do you see that developing in the next few years? Well, Mark, I am sure you have read many times over the past few weeks in the press that there's actually a competition between Europe and uh, the US and, and a coalition of other actors in the sector on that question of standard setting. And the reason is that the European Commission, maybe a year ago, at the end of uh, 2019, I, I, I suspect, realized that a good quality of non-financial data is the crux of a successful sustainable finance strategy. If you don't have the reliable data, you cannot direct your investment flows towards projects that are aligned and who contribute to the European green strategy, let's call it. And it was also 
you know, a feedback from the auditors or those external parties who assure the uh, current uh, reportings. If you don't have a standard to compare the data and the reports to or against, then it's all over the place and it's kind of hard for an external party to do, to assess whether it's good reporting or it's not so good reporting. So part of the revision of the uh, European directive includes a question onto which a, a task force, a specific task force uh, hosted by EFRAG is currently addressing about should, should Europe have a European non-financial reporting standard setter? And the answer will be given by the end of March next year when the European Commission submits its proposal to revise the NFRD. It, it will be part of that, you know, revision. And it's no secret, given, you know, the, what's happened uh, over the last few weeks, that the question is not so much whether there will be a European standard setter, but how will it work and how is it going to work hand in hand with global reporting initiatives so that this doesn't remain a European environment, but clearly a European leadership together with global participants. On that topic. Maud, for those companies, particularly those not of enormous scale, who are mindful that they need to start thinking about their non-financial reporting requirements or who know that legislation is going to change, um, where should they go for advice at this stage as to how to start this journey? That's a, a very good question, Vincent. There are many ways of getting the information, but I think one of the easiest solution and the safest is to actually ask the question to the auditors themselves, because they do provide that kind of services and advisory services in particular, not just, you know, assurance services. And even though they might not be scientists or experts in some very specific aspects of sustainability, they do know the ecosystem and they are in a position to connect their clients with the appropriate counterparts to address their needs. Given what you said about the situation in France earlier, Maud, that uh, it's mandatory to a degree, but but you, you could be quite minimalist about this unless a stakeholder calls you out and looks for the information. Do you think as as the whole climate change and the sustainability uh, debate grows grows stronger, that the EU directive will probably require absolute mandatory reporting of, of, of some form, that they won't leave it to a, a company's discretion? I think I'll go back to the question of the SMEs. In an ideal world, I'm sure this would be the objective uh, of uh, the European Commission. But given the very challenging financial and economic you know, conditions we are all in, Imposing it, everyone, regardless of their size, their industry, their uh, the location of their operations, I, I don't even think it, it's implementable, to be frank. So, but but the goal is clearly to broaden the scope as quickly as possible, without making it a, a competitive disadvantage to be a European uh, company subject to mandatory reporting. And I, and I guess um, there's a question of impact as well, you know, and it seems to me that, that you know, if you can address the majority of larger companies and get them on a, on a route, 
you're achieving a lot, even, you know, as Maud has made the point, it's we, we have to continue to consider business issues and, and the effectiveness of the economy as well. So that makes sense. But we're coming, I think, towards the end of our discussion. And there's a question that I always ask towards the end, which uh, is a much more open question. It's not necessarily on the topic of reporting, Maud. It's it just if you if there was one thing that you would like businesses to do and take on um, or do differently in the coming years, what would you suggest? I think one of the most um, impactful journeys that I've witnessed is that of companies who clearly brought the topic all the way up to board and executive committee levels with a very open mind, because you only know what you know. And those companies who were kind of pioneers in that field started a dialogue with all of their stakeholders to better understand the environment, whether it's economic, financial, uh, social, they operate in. And they started learning a lot more about what's out there in terms of risks and opportunities. For some of them, it, it was sometimes overwhelming and potentially scary, but they also came across very positive initiatives. There is a lot of knowledge out there about how to turn a risk into opportunity that are science-based Especially when we talk about climate and environment, it's not, you know, uh, for everybody to, to have a solution to all the questions, but there are people who do have answers. And I think the, the, um, the best chance of a company to really embrace sustainability beyond reporting is to keep an open mind and trust that there are people out there uh, that have a different view and that might also have the solution. On that positive note, I think we we might leave the discussion there for today. Uh, what's clear, though, is that uh, France probably has led the way and uh, certainly these changes are coming down the line very quickly at an EU-wide level uh, and, and people need to get uh, on top of that agenda very quickly, I think. But for today, I'd like to thank our very special guest, uh, Maud Gaudry, uh, ESG Director for the Mazars Group and, of course, Mark Kennedy, Managing Partner of Mazars in Ireland. So until the next edition of Future of Business... Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Future of Business with Vincent Wall and Mazars. You can comment and rate us wherever you find this podcast or on mazars.ie. Bye for now. <laughs>